Pastor Ray Bentley points out how affluence can actually engender humility on the part of those who follow God. If you are fabulously blessed, true humility will be that you share with others who are less fortunate, that you are compassionate to the poor, because you realize, unlike the rich who are in the world, whatever gifts I have and even abilities I have, everything I have came from the Lord. And so it humbles you. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. God cares more about who we are than what we do. He cares more about our attitude than our actions. He knows that what's inside our hearts and minds will work itself out in the way it moves our feet. Today, Pastor Ray gives us important guidance on setting our mind toward godly wisdom. All right, James chapter one. The title of the message is A Surrendered Will. We've been looking uh, at my favorite book in the Bible, by the way, the book of James. James was the half-brother of our Lord Jesus, who did not believe that his brother was in fact the Messiah. And it wasn't until after the resurrection And we read that Jesus in his risen, resurrected, glorified body appeared unto James. That then James became a believer. Not only did he become a believer, he became a leader within the early church. And he starts off here, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. So this is so early that there are no missionaries that have gone out or even Gentiles who have come into the family yet, it is to the 12 tribes of Jews who are now scattered. Greetings. Verse two, he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James, you know, what would this half-brother of our Lord, what would he exhort us today? And and what parallels can we draw from that time, 2,000 years ago, to today? First of all, uh, if you were Jewish, you're already a minority within the world. And uh, there was also persecution for this minority. But if you were a believer in Jesus as the Messiah, you were a minority within a minority. And they were probably going through a variety of trials. Some who said, no, I believe, I've heard the gospel, I believe in Yeshua, that he is the Messiah, were losing jobs. Some were being ostracized or kicked out of their families. Some were not being given promotions. Others, they just would turn their backs upon them. So there was a financial cost in being a believer in Jesus and and follower of his. Let alone there was the Roman persecution that was coming. Uh, It was politically unstable times. There were a variety of trials. How do we respond as those who are part now of God's family? James says, count it all joy. He says, rejoice. 
And the reason that he says rejoice is that God wants us to be mature sons and daughters. His passion is that we all grow up and be mature, that we be like Jesus. And maturity is evidence that I am able to have the joy of the Lord. And that joy, even if all things on the outside around me are falling apart, my joy is not contingent upon those things out there but it's contingent upon my personal inward relationship with the Lord, and nothing can take that away from me. Now, there will be challenges and there will be trials that test that, so you have to purpose, you have to count it all joy. That doesn't mean that there aren't hardships or losses or people in your family have passed away or maybe that you've lost your job or a variety of things, but nothing can take away our joy. In Nehemiah, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength, not the joy of your circumstances or the joy of the things that God has given to you. And I, here's what I have found in my life. God is far more interested in my maturity sometimes than I am. <laughs> I, I like to enjoy life and, and I, I like to be blessed and comforted and and God prospers and surrounds his children uh, with many benefits. In fact, that's the complaint Satan had against Job. God was bragging about Job. Have you considered my servant Job? Look at Job, he's so in love with me, I love that boy. And Satan goes, well, why not? Look at you, bless him left and right, he's surrounded with blessings. You take that hedge of all the prospering and all the goodies and all the blessings from him, you take that away, and here was Satan's accusation, he'll curse you. Because he's not really, and, and the accusation was, he doesn't really love you, he loves all the goodies that you give to him. Well, apparently, behind the scenes, that is something that God, our Father in heaven, is working on. I have an idea, and, and I've tested it by experience, that when you become a brand new believer in the Lord, it, it is the most, you remember when you first got saved, uh, how that lightness, where the, the guilt and the burden, when you finally said, oh, I know, I am a sinner, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, wash me, cleanse me in your blood, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I remember when I gave my life to the Lord, it was like weight lifted off my shoulders. And all of a sudden, everything was alive. I felt like every cell in my body was alive. The sky was bluer, the grass was greener, the hills were alive with the sound of music, what can I say? <laughs> and you're in love with everybody, and why doesn't everybody know the Lord, and we should all just love God, and, and why can't we get along, and it just is insanity, the wars and famines and craziness. What's wrong with people, can't they see? And God surrounds you, and he blesses you, and, and we, because we're so young, we are in love with the Lord, and we also love that special cocoon of protection around us. But because God loves us, the time comes where he begins to withdraw some of that seeming barrier of comfort. He himself never leaves you, never abandons you, is always there. But as we grow and mature and in that he's interested in that maturity, he wants us to trust in him, not trust in the things or the blessings or the abundance or the prosperity that he gives to us. And therefore, James says, let patience have its perfect work. A real sign of maturity as a believer is having patience. And we could say on the other side that a sign or a signal of immaturity is impatience. Now, you know the story of, of Abraham. 
Abraham was a beautiful, mighty, deep, loving, reverent, faithful son to his father. And God made a promise to Abraham. And Abraham said, I believe in you. <laughs> Our father in heaven, he, he wants so badly for us to trust in him. And when we believe, he gets so excited. He said to Abraham, I credit it to you as righteousness that you just believed in the promise I gave. And so Abraham did very good, believing in the promise of God about his son. But Abraham then grew impatient. And it was the impatience of Abraham and Sarah that got them into trouble, and even to this day. God works all things together for good, and God eventually had a plan, as I mentioned, for both Ishmael and for Isaac. But impatience, that is something that often gets us in trouble. Now, in a sense, uh, something I put here in your notes, God cannot build our character without our cooperation. Now, I realize that may not be the most perfect theological statement, but it's a spiritual truth. If we resist him, he will chasten us into submission. If we choose to submit to him, he will accomplish his work. And that is our maturity. God's goal for your life and mine is maturity. Too often our prayers are spent wanting to uh, be sheltered from the very things that will bring that maturity and trustworthiness. And Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 is an interesting verse. Let's read this scripture out loud together. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Listen, we need to really dial in our ability to be led by the Holy Spirit in the times in which we live. We need to rejoice in the Lord, no matter what happens outwardly. Now, go with me to verse 9. He says that we need wisdom to get through the trials, and now he uses an analogy of where you are financially. And the kind of wisdom, this is divine wisdom for wherever we are financially right now. It must have been an impact for those early believers 2,000 years ago, and it seems very appropriate for us today. Verse nine, he says, let the lowly brother or the poor brother or sister glory in his exaltation. But the rich, let them glory or exult in his humiliation or humility. Because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Now, he begins by saying that if you are poor, if you are uh, in, a, in a state where you are challenged financially, he says, then glory in the fact that God has given you a high position in the kingdom of heaven. God esteems you very highly. <laughs> you may feel very low and very ignored. And even still to this day, as our supposedly so educated modern culture uh, still have lifestyles of the rich and the famous and play on that, that if you're not rich and you're not famous, then are you really that important? In the Lord's economy, you are. So this is a, uh, what we call a paradox. If you're poor, you are highly valued and esteemed in heaven, a paradox. The Bible has many paradoxes. Have you noticed there are a lot of paradoxes in the Bible? What is a paradox? Webster's defines paradox as a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense, and yet is perhaps true. The Bible tells us the weak are actually strong, the empty, 
are actually full. The slave is actually free. The cursed are actually blessed. And that death brings life. Virtually everything you read in the Bible seems, as it were, backwards to the way we're used to. But it makes sense. How many of you would agree with me that a lot of things in this world are absolutely upside down anyway? So if the Bible tells us something uh, different as a paradox, all it's doing is turning it right side up, which is what the kingdom of heaven really is all about. So maybe God is seeking to get your attention that if you are poor, you are highly favored and highly esteemed. That's what James tells us. He's ministering to a group of Jewish believers who are persecuted and scattered and suffering, and much of it probably because of their faith in the Messiah. And James says, take pride in your lofty position before God. When God allows poverty in our lives, it is a measure of trust. God is actually saying, you know what? I see that son, see that daughter. I know that they're so in love with me. I can trust them with this high place and this high position. Jesus said when he was in the synagogue, quoting from the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I tell you the truth, heaven is going to be filled with poor people. It's going to be filled with poor people. This is why the incarnation came through Mary. She was poor. And God overshadowed her and, and she conceived the savior of the world, this young and very poor girl. Here's what she said in Luke 148, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. God loves to look for those who have nothing in the way of this world and to reveal to them supernaturally great surprises, great gifts, supernatural insights, or gifts of his spirit, let alone he gave to Mary, the savior of the whole world. This truth is shouting for attention in our upside down world. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. In the past few months at Maranatha Radio, so many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teaching has meant to them. Bless you, Pastor Ray. You ignited my soul in ways I could not have imagined and blessed me with a deepened love for the Bible. You made scripture come to life. Bless your family. Dear Lord, bring his family, especially his wife, Vicki, peace. Praise God Ray is home. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, so what he is saying is that, that if you are struggling or if you are financially out of sync, as it were, rejoice and say, wow, Lord, I count this a privilege that you would trust me, that I would love you and follow you, even though outwardly I have nothing there. He goes on to say that also if you are rich and there are some who have made it through these difficult times, 
Some are prospering. Some are doing just fine. Others are even doing better than they did before. And that are believers. Here's what you need also if God has blessed you and given you prosperity and abundance. You need supernatural wisdom to survive that which God has trusted you with. There's the story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was young, he was rich, he was successful, and he had a spiritual heart, and he came to the right person and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus looked at him, and it says he had compassion. He smiled upon him, and he said, good. He said, just go sell all that you have and come, follow me. It says that that rich young ruler put his head down, turned and walked away slowly and sadly because he had great wealth. Now, sometimes people assume, well, that guy, he, he's lost. We don't know that. It doesn't say that. The option is just as well that he went away, thought about it and said, you know what, it's worth it, sold everything and did become a follower of Jesus. He doesn't tell us the end of the story, almost like, hey, the ball actually is now in your court. What are you going to do when the Lord says something like that to you. Jesus went on to say to his disciples in regards to that, Mark chapter 10 verse 24, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because in order to come to God, you must admit you have a need. And sometimes riches insulate people, isolate people, and deceive people. They don't need God because they have all these riches. Jesus warned against the deceitfulness of riches, which can choke out the spiritual life. When he told the parables of Matthew 13, I would say the greater one's possessions, the greater the possibility for delusion. But... It's all right, because whatever you have, everything you have is from the Lord. And if God has blessed you, you also need wisdom to say, thank you, Lord. Here's what James says. If God has blessed you with abundance, if God has blessed you with prosperity, if you're doing well, while others maybe are struggling, rejoice in your humble position. What does that mean? If you are, are fabulously blessed and rich and wealthy, True humility will be that you share with others who are less fortunate, that you are compassionate to the poor, that you reach out to feed the hungry and to clothe the naked and missions and the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you are humbled. And here's why you are humble, because you realize, unlike the rich who are in the world, who have an attitude that, hey, I'm better than other people, I'm at least smarter than other people, and it's their own fault, and there's an arrogance. But a man of God or a child of God or a woman of God who has been blessed with abundance is humble to say, I'm no better than the next guy. It's not because I'm so bright or so cute or whatever. Whatever gifts I have and even abilities I have, even if I did you know, build this company or whatever, everything I have came from the Lord. He gave me the mind. He gave me the gifts. He gave me the abilities. He has prospered me. And so it humbles you. It doesn't make me better than others. And if I am humble, I will help my brothers and I will help my sisters and I will minister to them. So supernatural wisdom goes to both the poor. They're elevated. It also is, should be humbling if you are extremely blessed financially by God using it for him. 
First Timothy chapter six, verse 17 is in your notes. Let's read that scripture out loud. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Amen? And you know what I find that's interesting in all of that? It's a test, especially for those who are God's children. Did I trust in my riches or is my trust in the Lord? And one way to know that is, have I lost my joy? Nothing should be able to rob us from our joy in the Lord. How can you be robbed of the joy in the Lord? Money can't take God away or the lack thereof. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now the Bible never teaches that wealth is wrong. The Lord blessed Solomon with both wisdom and riches. He blessed Abraham and so forth and prospered him as well. But, and I just, a few scriptures quickly, it all depends on how the wealth was acquired, righteously or unrighteously. Jeremiah says, if it's unrighteous, God will take it away, it'll fly away like a bird. How it is used, Jesus said, if you are blessed and prospered and you just use it to build your bless me kingdom club, and you don't use it for the kingdom of God, he goes again, how foolish, you will lose everything and you could lose your own soul. And the third test is, what place do riches hold in the heart of the possessor? Do you love your riches? If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Don't love it. It's only a tool and something that God can use. It is possible that James very much had Solomon in mind, who God blessed with wisdom, but also riches. But with time, he fell in love with the riches and he lost his wisdom. And he finally came back in the book of Ecclesiastes. But I want to close with verse 12. And we'll, we'll just leave with this last thought. He says, blessed is the man who endures temptation or trial. If you endure, you retain your joy, and you patiently wait upon the Lord and trust in him. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to all those who love him. You have life, you have life, and life inside, life that makes you full of love and joy and peace and the presence of the Lord. Now James chose wealth and poverty to illustrate his theme, but he could have chosen any one of a number of life's contrasts, loneliness and companionship, a long married life followed by an unexpected loss of a spouse, hope fulfilled and then hope lost or disappointed, Work and then unemployment. Life is full of these tests and they keep going throughout life. Life is like that. So how are we to keep moving in a straight line toward maturity? We need wisdom from God to know what to set aside as not worthy of giving our heart to and what is worthy of giving our heart to. And most of all, knowing that the joy of the Lord, the presence of the Lord is my strength, amen? Pastor Ray Bentley, with great insight on seeking the wisdom of God and then surrendering our will to His. Now, today's study here on Maranatha Radio is titled, A Surrendered Will. If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. 
www.thepeopleshow.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his book called As the Days of Noah, a prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full series called The Elijah Chronicles. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.